Hello, I'm Howard and welcome to the 93-20 Friday show. Looking backwards at a comfortable win in the Carabao Cup, forwards to a potentially tricky test at Goodison this weekend and at anything else that takes our fancy. Uh, to, delighted to be joined by two big hitters today. Uh, first up, afternoon Lloyd. Afternoon mate. How you doing? Yeah, not bad, not bad. You? Good. Yeah, not bad, just staring at rain for the fifth day in a row, so... It's not too bad in London at the moment, but it was just pissing uh, it down. Yeah, it's got to stop one day. Don't know when that day will be, but it will eventually. Uh, should be used to it anyway in this city. Yeah. Also joined today by Stefan. Good afternoon, Stefan. Hi, how you doing? Yeah, how's things with you? Good, good. Yeah, looking forward to the weekend. Mm, well... A little bit apprehensive, actually, about the game. But we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah. yeah, that's what Everton do to you. Yeah, they do. Uh, first up, then, I've got an opening question before we look at... Well, go backwards, forwards, wherever. Uh, Gabriel Jesus has been speaking out. I know, Stefan, this is a matter close to your heart, Gabriel Jesus and shooting. Speaking out about he needs to get more game time. He's in his fourth season now. Uh, seems his patience is wearing thin a bit. Pep, just in the pep press conference has said it's fine what he said and he's right and he's he's brilliant and everything's fine uh, I'll start with you then Stefan have you any sympathy for what he said today about needing to to get into the team though he has obviously acknowledged that Sergio Aguero is quite simply brilliant or is it simply a case that he's got the game time he deserves in a way and his time will come if he continues to develop probably about both I mean uh, I think ultimately the proof of the pudding you know he's got to when he gets his chances he's got to be very good um, otherwise he can't expect to hold Aguero out of the team and for the most part the manager is not going to play both of them um, I think he's I mean it's not really his fourth season is it um, you know he, uh, that that's for, for effect uh, but it is a real issue I mean we've, we've talked about it before already this season so I think I think the club sees it as much of an issue as he does uh, but but what what I think certain is that uh, Pep will not react to the fact that his patience is wearing thin I think you know that's kind of irrelevant um, if he performs when he plays he'll he'll be at the club for a long time if he wants to be and if he doesn't uh, this might be the end of the road this season. But if he performs, will would Pep rotate him in Aguero? Do you think, or Sergio just simply going to be number one, barring the catastrophic loss of form? Is he just going to be number one in his final two years? Come what may. But, but personally, I, I'm not. I don't think think he'd necessarily rotate. I think if he could, if if uh, Jesus could prove himself to be. Um, on par with Sergio, I think he may well already become the first choice because we all know that Sergio's time is is ticking just because of his age. So it's all there for for Jesus. Unfortunately, I just don't think his performances are quite good enough. Okay, uh, Lloyd, your thoughts? Do you think he deserves more game time? And also, is is there an argument that they could play together or? Is that just not going to happen? I mean, it does happen occasionally. I think it may have done second half Norwich, but is that a solution to it, or are we just loaded with better players in those positions that we're just trying to solve a problem by making making things worse in a way? No, I do think they've, on the second part of that question, whether they can play together, I do think actually they've proven in 
you know, it's, it's, it's probably only happened in limited amount of games, but they've proven when they do play together that they can be quite, they can be quite a good partnership actually. Aguero mm. likes to drop a bit deeper. Um, you know, if you think back to games, I mean, that Liverpool game at home where we won uh, by five, you know, a little bit of a freak in a way because of the money sending off, but the way that they interchanged kind of before that was very encouraging. They did the same, I think, Watford away when we hit them for six. So there have been moments when they can play together and I I imagine actually, given how long this season will be, um, inevitably, and given the fact that Sane is obviously out, I would imagine that, yeah, we will see them together at some point, whether that's, you know, Jesus wide um, in kind of the, a standard 4-3-3 or whether when Mendy comes back or we have Angelino or you know, Cancelo as well, whether we play five at the back with two of them up front. So I do think we'll see that actually. In terms of Jesus and kind of where he sits, I mean, Stefan's spot on. It's not really his fourth season. I mean, you can't really count that first season as a season really. I mean, you know, he kind of came in in this kind of Brazilian world and like, you know, had that game against Tottenham and, you know, really a lot of the season's kind of done by then, um, particularly when it petered out like it did. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I can get why he's frustrated, but it's about the circumstances. And you know, he's up against Aguero, uh, who, as he said, to be fair to him, you know, is pretty much the best striker in you know potentially modern Premier League history, definitely City's history. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, he's got to be incredibly good to get in the team. But um, I do think it's been you know the amount that Aguero has played compared to him has been has been justified by the results and by the kind of the goals and the assists and the performances that Aguero has put in. But having said that, we are coming to a point where I can understand why he is starting to get a little bit frustrated because, you know, I think you expected them to start passing each other now and that's not happened yet really, which is probably credit to Aguero more than anything else. So, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I'm not too worried about it. Do you think the timing's a bit weird or is it just he expected this season to to be first choice and he's waited a few weeks and then spoken or is it part of Pep wanting his players to be vocal I, I don't know I, I wouldn't again I wouldn't really read that much into it I think if he if he hadn't have been injured over the last couple of weeks I think he probably would have played so he's been a bit unlucky in that respect obviously um, he has made a few appearances this season started on the first day played against Rochdale the other night uh, not Rochdale sorry played in the Carabao the other night um, so yeah, it's it's been there, but I do, yeah, like I said, I do think, you know, I mean, what Aguero's broke the record for the most amount of games to scored in to open a Premier League season with six, I think, and he's yeah. already on eight. So, you know, how can you argue with that kind of return? I don't think there's any way you could argue that Jesus would have got eight from the same games. To be fair, yeah, I think United could have done with him against uh, Rochdale the other night, but. Uh, yeah, again, we don't know what's coming, do we? Uh, one of them is going to get injured at some point. Uh, 50, yeah, rough estimate, 55 games this season. Yeah, I think, you know, I read something early in the season. This is the season where he has to prove to City as much as either way around that he's the rightful heir. As we said, I think, on the, the last podcast to Sergio by the time he goes. So I'm sure he'll get plenty of time on the pitch anyway. OK, let's move on. Uh We'll look back at Preston. Comfortable win in the end, 3-0 by half-time. The main thing that people were taking out of it, or focusing on, was the two centre-backs. Stefan, not had a chance to speak to you about them. I don't know how much of the game you caught, but 
did the imp- did they impress you? And are we getting ahead of ourselves? Do you think when we we see two youngsters like this combined age of thirty five uh, impress in a Carabao Cup game when it's literally the fourth you know most important tournament? Your thoughts on those two, anyway? Well, I think yes and yes to you two questions. So they were impressive, but I wouldn't get too carried away. Uh, I think it's easy to get carried away. Um, you know, they're both, I think they're both very good players, but they're very young. They're centre-halves, and I think centre-halves generally will start to come into the team later than than forward players. <clears throat> we know what Pep's like. I just don't, you know, they played... In, the, in in an early round of the Carabao I don't think it means anything in terms of how many games they're going to play this season and I always come back to the Phil Foden situation um, I, and I know that obviously it's different because of the injuries at the back um, but I'd be surprised if they played significant amounts of time this season that said I think what's happening around the, the Premier League um, particularly with the, the Chelsea example because of what's happened with the transfer ban. I think it's making people, uh, management teams, uh, sit up and think about about young players generally. And, and I think uh, you know, Everton's a good example of it in some ways because well, we'll talk about it later, but if you, you look at how many 30 or 40 million pound players Everton have purchased over the last two years, three years, how many of them are really making a difference and if you've got a situation now where even mediocre players go for 30, 40 million quid, mm. it's going to encourage people to blood talented young players earlier and, and, and give them a go because that delta is so enormous that, you know, if you, if you can't buy a top player for less than 60 plus, uh, you know, and, and, and let's assume most other players kind of below that level are much of a muchness then you're going to try young players first, aren't you? Yeah. Do you think... It's a, is that why, do you think, there's this... Just a recent thing to get put the youngsters into this team earlier and earlier. You know, I know Phil Foden deserves this chance in a way, but players of the past were not... You know, they weren't all... Players develop at different rates and they weren't all playing... Look at some of the big English players of, you know, the golden generation. They weren't all first-team regulars by... The, the the age of nineteen, do you think we're just more less more impatient nowadays, or is it the fact that transfer fees are so ridiculous that it, or that what you said is you know it's like well, they they could do just a good a job. I think it's a combination of factors, really. I mean, you've got you know examples like Sancho, so everybody think even though Sancho is not an example of anything. He's not an example of why British players should go to Germany. He's not an example of a normal player going. Um, to me, he's not. He is an exceptional situation, both in the circumstances by which he ended up going to Germany and also the quality mm. of the player. Um, but I think it's the money related um, as well. As I just said, I think you know where you've got. You know, where you've got that a young player who's able to do as good a job as a a Woby signing or a, a Richarlison signing. What's the point? I mean, what is the point in spending forty million quid if actually there's not a massive difference between the guy that's in your that's in your youth team that's two years younger than him? You might as well 
invest you know a bit of time in, in bringing them through and seeing if they can make it um, and, but I always think you know people copy very quickly and you look at what's happened I know there's now this big joke about Pep and what's happened to the style of football around but even frankly Rochdale were playing um, a, a, a passing game that I just don't think that have played a few years ago and it's the same I think it's going to be the same now with Chelsea having you know four or five young players coming through and doing well in the Premier League I think you're going to see more and more of it um, so I think it's a combination of all those factors coming together people copying money you know that sort of thing Sancho not wanting to lose players the fear of losing I mean you know that's the other part of the Sancho element for City and but but other clubs looking at their young players City have blown 150 million euros maybe by you know I know they couldn't for whatever reason we couldn't get that deal sorted but that's 150 million euros that went out the door yeah well to be honest, I think it's a hindsight thing that as well. Did any of us really expect him to be a hundred million pound player within a year of leaving? Probably not. But as I always say, we we took Sancho for another team, Watford, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, it's the way it goes. I'm not criticising. We took Garcia off Barcelona, and he may be worth a fortune. It's the way it goes. Everyone's trying to get the youngsters, aren't they? Yeah, they're trying to poach them off each other. So. I, I, it's not a criticism. I mean, Garcia is a, yeah. is a case in point almost. You know, because what it is is it's an encouragement for the team to blood them and keep them, as opposed to it, it doesn't matter whether whether Sancho was worth a hundred or frankly fifty or whatever. The put the point I'm making is that there's now this fear that. And, and there always has been a fear about players leaving and, and making it good elsewhere uh, because it's a nightmare situation when it happens, Pogba, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I think all of these factors coming together at the same time, I think there'll be a change, except at City. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I th- it, the pressures differ from club to club. So I think Chelsea, are, they've got a transfer ban and they've got Frank Lampard in. So they've kind of got, you know, he's got carte blanche to to not have the most successful seasons, and the Chelsea fans will be quite accepting of that uh, because at the end of the day, he can make excuses. It's debut season of a young manager and a legend as a player, and we couldn't buy anyone, so they've got the excuse. But City don't because the fan base expects us to be winning every tournament in existence every season, so we can't just have a couple of years, you know, having watching some young players growing whilst falling to third or fourth in the table and Everton you'd think they'd have a bit of leniency as well but they've you know they, they seem to have this need along with the new stadium to break into that top four and I think the expectations of their fan base has gone up as well so if expectations were lower I think it gives you you know a much greater opportunity to blood youth which I'm not you know I'm not making excuses for Pep Guardiola or previous managers I just think the pressures to win stuff in yeah, the modern game is so much that sometimes he'll just pick an experienced head over a youngster even if he doesn't see much difference in what he expects for them you know, performance-wise. So, uh, Lloyd? Just, actually, just, just on that, yeah. on the Chelsea point um, that you just raised, or Stefan raised, actually, I think it's quite interesting because if you look at that squad f- for them, I, I, I know I'm actually... I, Initially, I was quite against the idea of, oh, this in a way is a bit of a blessing in disguise and, 
you know, I think people that are saying losing Hazard's a blessing in disguise, I obviously don't agree with that. But actually, yeah. the way that this season is beginning to play out for Chelsea, if you look at the young players, I'll go through their squad now that they've that they've got that they're going to be bringing through. They've got a, they've got almost a golden generation there. So they've got Tamori at centre back, who was player of the year for Derby last year and has played recently, done well. Reese James, who's incredibly highly rated, another right back, um, kind of on the conveyor belt for England. And then they've got Loftus Cheek, Hudson Odoi, obviously coming back now, Mason Mount, and Tammy Abraham. That's six guys from the academy, all of whom arguably or not even arguably are you know definitely Premier League standard I'd say quite a few of them look to be definitely top six standard so you know they're in a they're in a beautiful position there really I think and when something like that happens it really can help us which is why I think actually that to to bring it back the centre-back issue for us is 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 quite poignant is quite pertinent because if you if you look at the way that our centre backs are at the moment, we've obviously lost company. Otamendi's going to go next summer, and whilst there's been talks about Stone signing a new contract, I think as a fan base we're a little bit kind of not uneasy at that, but we're you know we're all kind of waiting for Stones to step up and take that mantle. So the fact that they, these two could be coming through actually could be you know really really good timing. Yeah. Oh, well, the question I was going to ask you is I saw an interesting point on. Uh... Yeah, you know, good points, Barry. But I was got just about those centre backs. I saw an interesting point, and someone asked as a reply to someone else: Are we more are we more are managers more likely to put young attacking players into teams than centre backs? Do you think the age thing is a bigger hindrance to central defenders because it's seen as kind of the last line of defence, you know, ahead of the keeper? But you will see, I think, a lot more young, exciting attacking players get into teams before you will defenders does that sound is that a ridiculous point to make or does it actually sound like there's some element of truth that that person suggested on Twitter no I think I think whoever said that is, is spot on to be honest it's, it is easier and there's just less risk associated because you know just by product of where you are on the pitch if you make a mistake at centre back you know generally it will lead to a very good chance if not a goal um, whereas yeah. you know, if you're kind of a bit of a mercurial young winger and you're going to be stuck out on the left, if you don't see too much of the ball, yeah, okay, your team's attacking output's going to be dented, but it's probably not going to be decisive in the game and in the result. Which is often why, you know, I think managers are more willing to throw on a winger or an attacking player um, over someone like a centre half. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I think so as well. I think there's some merit in that. Uh, finally. Stefan, how should Pep approach the Southampton match? Similar blend of players. If we go out, it's not the end of the world. Is that always the approach? I know we've won it twice in a row. Pep always takes everything seriously, apparently, you know, every tournament. But you don't want us to start taking it more first team, is it? Just because it's a Premier League team. Yeah, I mean, I think it's got to be a blend. I think that that is our approach that we that that we use in the Carabao. Um, We've got them at the weekend, haven't we? So it's a double header, which I hate. Yeah. Um, That's at home as well. Yeah. Yeah, I hate that. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think you you know a similar sort of blend. I, I doubt it'll play the two centre halves together again because we go back to the same thing. Um, uh, but I'm happy with the blend. I think it's the right thing to do. I don't. I think if you overdo it, um, you, you effectively 
you know, you, you you give the other team a buy because I think if if the other team turns up with their team, they will beat you. That's what Liverpool have done in previous seasons. I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea. Um, it's just not some. It's just not a policy that we're going to adopt. So I think he'll do that same same balance. You know, three or four uh, of the of the players that don't play much, and uh, and then a rotation of the rest. Yeah. I think it's the right approach, but yeah, we will see. It's hard. Never want to see the team lose, and I say the Carabao Cup's given us some great memories and days out, but it is what it is, and it depends. I don't think it impacts on the Champions League, but obviously, with every season, the need to succeed in that tournament instead becomes bigger and bigger. So the draw's incredible. I mean, you know, in terms of a draw that opens up a tournament after one game. We we yeah. you know <laughs> couldn't we couldn't write a better draw. <laughs> We've been very fortunate in the domestic cups recently, haven't we? Christ. Yeah, well, the big one was Burton in the semi because at that time of year to be able to play them twice was just an absolute godsend. I think uh, you know to avoid Chelsea or Tottenham, and you know, and the teams we would have had to have put out that was a huge one. Uh, yeah, it's weird. A couple of years ago, we we're talking about. Endless away games against, you know, not always the toughest opposition, but we had a bad run of away games, and now it's, I, mean, I wouldn't say it's evened out, but yeah, the, the run has been quite good. Uh, it's, not, it's not City's look as much, it's just other big teams drawing each other is as bigger, uh, yeah, because obviously they can't all go through. But then when teams like Spurs are being knocked out by Colchester, then that makes it more likely for us to get an easy draw. So when other teams, you know, don't do well themselves and get knocked out, as Liverpool did in both domestic cups last year, then we're obviously going to increase the chances of getting favourable draws. So, uh, but yeah, not a bad one at all. So, right, let's look forward. Anyway, uh, Goodison, uh, five thirty kickoff. I assume Saturday night. I'm hoping the storm that's coming over the UK hasn't reached Merseyside by then. Uh, Lloyd, start with you. Does going to Goodison still worry you, despite the better results? So I think we've won, obviously won there last year, uh, with goals at the end of each half from Laporte and Jesus. Won there the year before, which was the 3-1, I think, is one of the best performances we've done. Obviously that amazing 3-2 in 2014. But, of course, the 4-0 in Pep's debut season. So... We used to lose there just every time we went there. Obviously, our record's better now, but are you still worried about going there? Is it, do you think it's one of the hardest games? Ideally, I'd like Jacko in the squad. He's uh, <laughs> He's got good form at Goodison, hasn't he? Um, yeah, I think I, I'd go beyond Goodison. I think just going generally going to Merseyside, I think, full stop, I've, you know, I'm just never confident. Our record... You know, I think they're the two Premier League grounds above all others that we have by far the worst record at. I mean, Anfield statistically, definitely. Goodison maybe not as it's not statistically as bad, but it feels like you know before that 2014 game, um, I honestly can't remember a good performance. Never mind a good result at Goodison. So yes, I'm never confident. Um, it'll be it'll probably be under the floodlights if it's half it's beginning to go dark like Goodison in that kind of atmosphere if they get going can be a bit of a can be a bit of a tough place to go as the cliche says but to be fair I think actually they're looking 
they're looking in tr- for me a bit in trouble at the moment. So um, actually, I think this is in terms of the season, this is probably quite a good time to be playing Everton. But talking generally, yeah, I, I'm never confident before going to Goodison. No way. Stefan, your thoughts? Yeah, well, I, I'm apprehensive because it's Everton away, and it's I think by its nature it's tricky. They spent an absolute fortune on the squad. Uh, but you could not pick a better time to play them. I think they're in a, a somewhat state of disarray. I don't think he knows what, what team he should pick. I think the fans want him out. Uh, I think he's, I think the buying strategy has been bizarre. Uh, don't seem to have sort of had any particular idea what, they, what they're building towards. Um, so... Uh, you know, again, yet again, it's a game we should win if we if we turn up. Uh, certainly, if we got an early goal, I think it would be. I think they will get very hostile um, yeah. on their own team, and uh, it will be. It, it should be relatively comfortable. It could even be the last uh, game for Marco Silva. Do you think he's under that much threat? I think so. I mean, just just reading between the lines of. Uh, you know, on social media and radio, and knowing a couple of Everton fans, just the level of performance, uh, a level of disappointment, level of understanding of what he's actually got in terms of the players that they put together. I think there's not a lot of patience with him. Um, it's a very poor start. I mean, it's seven points after six games is pretty pretty dire. You know, losing. Losing at home to Sheffield United, I mean that is that takes some doing. Yeah, well, I mean they've started well, but yeah, they're still a promoted side uh, with nowhere near the resources of Everton. It was a very strange game, though. I mean Everton dominated, but they just don't. You know, they're not taking chances. They're not scoring goals uh, because they've not really replaced Lukaku uh, since he's gone properly. Uh, Lloyd, what do you make of this Everton side? I mean, for all their Woes. I think Sheffield United was the first home defeat since, well, since City beat them uh, many, many months earlier this year. So the home form has, you know, has kept itself up. Uh, you know, it's not been bad. It's more on the, you know, you look at that that performance away to Bournemouth. It's, it's days like that in Aston Villa when they go and put a, a good performance in and then they immediately lose and play terribly. But normally away from home, are they just? Are they one of the most underperforming sides, considering what they've spent over recent transfer windows? Yeah, they're a really weird one, Everton, aren't they? I think they've, you know, they've bought in, at times they've bought well. I think they've bought some really weird players. Um, they've also they also they've also they've also spent money in quite a strange way as well. I mean, if you look at their squad, one of my good mates, Brad's an Everton fan as well. They've literally got two centre backs. In their entire squad, which is Michael Keane and Yerry Mina, but yeah. but then they've got about they've got the same amount of attacking options. I'm not saying the same quality, but they've basically got the same amount of attacking options as that City have got. I mean, they've got you know um, if you if you look across kind of the options they've got, they've obviously got Sigurdsson, that, which they spent you know silly money on Richarlison. They've brought Iwobi in. They've got Bernard. They've got Walcott, they've got Moise Kane, they've got Calvert-Lewin, they've got Cenk Tosin, and they've still got Umar Nias. I mean, that's like, you know, that's a that's a Europa League kind of potentially Champions League um, amount of options. I'm not saying it's particularly that for um, quality and, and, you know, how good they are. 
but yeah, they, they are they are weird. I think um, the light's been shone on Marco Silva now, which is interesting because I think the thing with Marco Silva is, is that with his record, his record's not actually that good. If you look at his win percentage, if you look at um, generally how he's tracked with his teams after good starts, I think a lot of the allure around him was about what could be. Could he be a bit of a Mourinho? Could he be a bit of a potch in the waiting? Um, you know, kind of at that Everton level club, but really he's actually capable of making the step up. I think he's not. He's shown that he's not. And Everton, yeah, I agree with Stefan. They're, they're they're kind of plateauing. They're not. They've they've obviously got a good squad. It's a bit hodgepodge in areas, and I think he's not taking them onto the next level, which is what they need. So I think, yeah, from the sounds of it, he sounds like he's in big trouble. Yeah, so where did that reputation come from? I mean, it was sat, I think he, did he relegate Hull? Sat by yeah, he went from. down with Hull, but I think everyone at the time was. I remember in the media and kind of the white, you know, fans including you know ourselves and stuff. People were generally of the opinion that wow, he got them playing you know really well. Um, God, if only he got them earlier in the season, um, you know, they would have been mid-table. That you know he he could really track to a new job. Went to Watford, had a, that amazing start. Um, and then flirted with Everton and it all went quite quickly south from there and then yeah. started okay at Everton then had a really poor patch where it looked like he was going to get sacked midway through last season and they had that they had that game at Burnley where I think they scored about five or six and then from there they went on a decent run again but yeah we, we're kind of back in that situation again where you know I think the, the most difficult thing is to, char- to characterise what Everton are like what are they as a team you know, I I think with yeah. with a team like Wolves or with um, you know even with teams like Sheffield United or Leicester, there's a clear kind of you kind of know what they are in terms of an identity. Whereas I feel with with Everton at the moment, they are a bit of a hodgepodge of players and they don't really have a kind of identity or a way of going about things. Yeah, I think my favourite dismissal is uh, from Sporting. He was according to Wikipedia dismissed for not wearing the official club suit to a cup match. So. Which seems a bit harsh to sack someone for that. I, I assume he was close to the sack anyway before then. So, uh, I, th- I think the key for City, in a way, you say the crowd will turn quickly, and they sh- rarely come from behind because the problem is scoring goals. So, if City can get the first goal, they stand a very, very good chance of going on to win the match. I would hope. Uh, Stefan, as for City, how do you think Pep will approach this match? Just as you were, impossible to predicts the team that will line up yeah I think so um, I mean pretty pretty much impossible uh, you know KDB will come back but didn't play midweek um, but I think aside from that you know who knows he could come up with any old any old mix I think whatever he does come up with should, should be enough to beat them um, his record uh, is quite amusing against Marco Silva Aggregate score seven played seven times. Aggregate score twenty four three. So you know, uh, I think probably all of them will come back. Aguero, KDB, Otamendi, all, all of them that didn't play midweek, uh, and then you know pick your team around that. I think probably and and obviously uh, Edison. Um, yeah, I, I can't. I can't be more more precise than that. I don't think he'll play either of the centre halves, although, you know, who knows? I don't think he'll play Foden, um, particularly. I mean, we didn't talk about it, but particularly because he didn't really take his opportunity for whatever reason on uh, midweek. Uh, so, 
yeah, I think we should have enough to beat them. Lloyd, your thoughts on how we'll shape up down the wings? Uh, Zinchenko back in at left back as well. What do you expect? I think left back's the most interesting one, isn't it? Because, um, well, I'd say that and who plays on the right because Bernardo finally kind of started his season um, in the 8 0 against Watford. Um, but Mares has obviously, you know, I think Mares has been good this season. Uh, I've been impressed. I think I've seen him change in his game. I think I've said that on yeah. a pod earlier in the week. So I think it's probably pretty tight between those two. Um, I would imagine, given it's an away game, given that, um, I was going to say, given it's a away game, I, I would expect Silva not to play and Gundogan to play. But then, actually, I suppose Silva didn't play midweek. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it'll be a choice between those two. I'd probably rather Silva doesn't play. Um, I prefer him generally in home games now, I think, with that kind of one a week. Mm. He did play midweek. So. Did he? Yeah. Oh, come, oh Right, well then. Yes, yeah. well, he hit that deflected third in as well. Oh, he did, yeah, of course. Okay, right, scrap that then. I imagine it'll be Gundogan. So... Um, yeah, I mean, the big choice will be Bernardo or Mahrez. But then, yeah, left-back, I don't really know what we're going to do. I mean, so Mendy's played, what, 45 against Watford and 30 minutes against um, uh, Thingy midweek. So, and obviously, Angelino's played a bit in that time as well. And do we know anything about Zinchenko? Is he Because he's not been in either of the squads. Has he got a niggle? Or? No, I've seen him. I've seen a picture of him, photo of him training this week, so... Okay, uh, I don't know if it's just you know, just giving a rest. I assume so. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's pretty hard to call. I would guess, I would guess that they go Zinchenko back in, but I wouldn't be surprised if if it's Mendy either. To be honest, um, I would, I'd like to see Mendy, but maybe they just think it's too soon to to start him um, in a game like that where it's away. But yeah. I suppose he started against Watford, so you know it's eminently possible. We'll have to see. Yeah, the, the problem with it is you're using a substitute up if you know he won't last the ninety. But uh, yeah, I don't think it's a lineup we can really try and predict. So hand on heart, Lloyd, take away all bias, prejudice, associations. Do you think this is going to be a very tough game, or one that City are professional and will just do a job on Everton? No, I think given given the context um, that the kind of the situation that they're in, I think that Everton crowd can quite often they're, they're the kind of crowd that if you score against them early, they they generally, from my impression anyway, don't get behind the team. They kind of turn on them quite quickly, and with it being kind of a night game, I, I feel like if City get an early goal and kind of impress their you know, quality on the game, then it should hopefully be quite comfortable. Um, yeah, I think we'll be fine. I think we'll be fine. Okay. Do you want a score prediction or should we move on? <laughs> Knock on the door. Um, score prediction, I would say City, I can see, I, I can see 3-1, I think. I mean, I'm still slightly reeling from, uh, from Lloyd narrowing down left back to three players. <laughs> Which takes... Takes some doing for a left back position. Uh, it literally could be any of them. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I would be very surprised if Angelino started. But yeah, there we go. I mean, you, you, the thing to cons- that, that I'm concerned about is we could be eight points behind. Liverpool play at twelve thirty. Yeah, put Sheffield United away in itself. 
not an easy game. It cuts, and it's September. So yeah, obviously, people will be worried about that. If we'd gone into this five points clear, I'd be very, very much looking forward to it a lot more than going into it five points behind. But their record against the the poorer teams as well. I think I saw that this week on Twitter. It's unbelievable since the start of. I think it's the it's, it's like it's a. The start of last season, um, or maybe even further, they've not lost a single game to anyone outside the top six. Yeah. Um, so generally, I mean, you know, bearing that out, I imagine, yes, OK, Sheffield United could be difficult, but Liverpool actually in recent times have been incredibly good at bashing the um, the rubbish teams. I'd be amazed if they don't win, to be honest. So. But that is going to be quite a lot of pressure going into the game, if it is eight points. I mean, I mean, I know it's early in the season, but... It does add pressure. Yeah. What do you think? What for the players? Pepe always says he doesn't. I think so because he's got other matches. No, I think I think it has to because he's just so little room for for error. You know. Yeah. Eight. You know. So eight at points. this stage, though. I don't know. It's just a lot, isn't it? I mean. <laughs> yeah, but we've been here before. Uh, look, I'm not saying it's a lot. Yeah. Look, it's ridiculous. I'm not who, saying it's not. Who, who would you go at left back then if you're? You know, if you're a bit worried, who, who, who's the safe go to? You could go any of them. I, I like uh, Howard's point about wasting a substitute if you start with Mendy because you know that he's not going to do 90 and you're away from home. So I, I, think, I think I'd probably go with Zinchenko. Yeah. Yeah, same. I mean, yeah. We've had him for two seasons. He knows, yeah, he's ready to play any sort of game. So I think he will go back to him. So. Uh, anyway, let's let's move on and we'll finish with we always look at one other game. Uh do try and vary it with teams, but there's one there is one fixture that just stands out because it's just I, I can't wait for it in a way. It's just a Chelsea Brighton. Be, <laughs> oh you're so close. Yeah, how did you guess anyway? It's the Monday night game, it's Manchester United against Arsenal. Uh and to be honest, the rest of the fixture list... Well, I mean, Sheffield United in Liverpool is interesting in itself, but I do think Liverpool will win comfortably in the end. I uh, just can't see Sheffield United getting a, a result there. Yeah, United against Arsenal. Stefan, take it away. Just how low can United go? So Pogba's a, doubt, Pogba's a doubt for this match. Uh, Lingard might be up front or Greenwood because Rashford and Martial are out and this is a team that spent £800 million the good news is Shaw is training again how on earth has it got to this point? There's almost no limit to to how low they can go um, aside from you know sort of real real relegation style crisis but because I think it's so rotten in terms of the way that they built the squad and it's so difficult to recover. It, t- it takes so much money and so so long to actually... You know, I don't buy what uh, Carragher said last week where one player can change it all for United, you know, in that Suarez kind of way. I don't buy that at all. I, th- I think they've got big... First of all, the, the game's different even in those, you know, what, seven or eight years since, since Suarez. The game's different now because a player, a top player is... Uh, you know, three-figure millions. Um, you know, it, it is a hundred million euros to sign a top player, and United need a qu- quite a few top players, and uh, and they've got to move a lot of players out as well, and they've not got a manager. 
They've not got a, an infrastructure there. The ground needs investment. They've got owners that are sellers, not buyers. It's a mess and it's fantastic. Uh, but I, I, don't, I, don't see, I don't see that there's a, you know, a quick or even a relatively quick fix. It's going to take a lot of money uh, and some pretty radical decisions um, to, to, to get them back in the mix. Um, you know, even though on paper they do have lots of lots of talent. You know, I don't I don't think they're short of talented footballers. I just think the blend, the the sort of the the balance of the squad is just completely all over the place. And so, I, I think the season already is a write off for them. Yeah, that Lloyd, your thoughts. I- if, if they had a good manager, where is that squad? Where should that squad be, do you think, in the table? If they had a good manager, is Solskjaer not a good manager? <laughs> no, no, I'm taking the piss. All right, well, let's say if they had a no, great I'm take, manager. I'm taking the piss. He's yeah, obviously yeah. not a good manager. Well, let's say Pochettino was there or Klopp was there or, yeah, Pep. <laughs> I uh, think, okay, so I think, first of all, Stefan's spot on. The squad, the 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 composition of that squad is the problem. It's so, you know, they're overstocked in certain areas, but then they're unbelievably understocked in others. I think the decisions to let every experienced player go this summer was completely counterintuitive because I can understand why you'd want to let one of Lukaku or Sanchez go, probably Sanchez, but. They're in a situation now where they're horribly short up front. They're relying on Martial to be their best, well, their number nine, whose best ever goal tally is 11 in the Premier League season. I think Rashford's is 10. Uh, So they're underpowered up top. They've got terrible centre-back options, I think, outside of Maguire and potentially Lindorf. They've got... Ashley Young packing down at left back, and then they're you know they're regularly playing McTominay and Matic as the midfield too. So it's a, it's a very bizarre mismatch. I think with a decent manager, you know if they you know have a normal run of fitness as you'd expect, you know the odd injury, they should be yeah. in the top six. They definitely should be in the top six. And I quite bullishly said before this season started that they won't finish in the top six, and Leicester will finish ahead of them. I'm now very smug about that because I do think that I, I'm more than even more convinced now that that's going to happen um, I think United could you know depends how long they go with Solskjaer right? I think that's the that's the thing um, if they kind of meander along for a while because the fans haven't turned yet and they think they've got to give him time and they've got to allow him to regenerate the squad which realistically means he's going to have to see this season out and have another window then they could plummet seriously I mean we could be talking I think we could be talking eighth, you know, definitely. Um, would, he keep his, would he keep his job if he finished fifth or sixth? Or if he, would he really have I would to imagine, be I mean, Champions League qualification? Because it's really going to start biting them if they don't qualify for that again. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult It's difficult to say. My, my impression would be if he comes kind of fifth or sixth, then um, given how poorly they've started, that might keep him in it. But the... They've been so poor recently, and they're they're losing, you know, they're losing, and they're coming a cropper against Rochdale, um, and you know they're just they're not playing with any verve. 
they've got real injury problems at the moment. Um, yeah, I think I think they're in big trouble, but I'm loving it. Like Stefan says, I mean, let's keep rolling, let's keep going. Um, Leicester are definitely going to finish above them. Um, I'm completely certain of that, and yeah, I think they're in they're in big trouble. I mean, the the surgery that's required to bring that squad up to not even a level, you're not even City and Liverpool's level, up to kind of the you know Spurs have obviously been floundering this season, but I think their level of squad. Oh, he's talking, you know, hundreds of millions, uh, and they just don't have the infrastructure either to implement that with, um, with the lack of director of football and Woodward still calling the shots. So, yeah, it's an absolute, it's an absolute clown show. But uh, I think we're all loving it, aren't we? I think they had to cut the wage bill. I mean, I don't think it was about getting rid of experience necessarily because they kept matter and they kept Matic. Uh, I think it was more about. They, they made one, decisions. They one experienced striker, though I think up top, because they've, they've got Greenwood, Rashford, Martial. I think they they needed to keep. I, I get what you mean that they've obviously kept Mata and Matic and other players, but they needed someone up front who's yeah. who's got a bit of a record of scoring. You know, I mean Lukaku has his faults, but I think his Premier League record is still very good, and you know he's he's up there in the all time you know Prem leading scorers, and I think his his best is about twenty goals. So he has got. A body of work that suggests that you know you could drop him in and he would score. I, I don't think we got the full story on Lukaku. I mean, I don't. You're not telling me he, he, he's not left because he's he's the worst of their options. I mean, I think he was the best of their options, but for whatever reason, the manager had a bit of a fallout with him. I think, um, and he ends up leaving. But the wage bill they they announced this week their wage bill for uh, the eighteen nineteen year was three three two million. Which is it's an enormous amount of money, and that's twenty million before the twenty million that went out for Mourinho and his backroom staff. You know, it's a wage bill that's that's very very seriously ahead of everybody else, and it's it was twelve twelve or fifteen percent up on the prior year. So, and that doesn't take into account the new De Gea contract as well, which I think is no, but I think. Three fifty, isn't it? It's a lot, but they shifted on on deadline day and over the deadline. They did over the window. They did shift. I think somewhere between thirty and fifty million quid of annualised wages. So they they brought it down, but I think they had to. But I think it's like you say. It's it's not just the spending on bringing players in. They have to have this very very big clear out of players who either are going to have to go for free. Uh, you know the Matiches and the Matters. Um, or the, they're just going to have to pay them off. You know, I mean, they're just they're stuck in the squad, and they've got all these defenders. I mean, what you know, Phil Jones, and I'm not having that Lindelof because he had three good games last season. At some point, is is a good player. I mean, I don't I don't see that at all. Um, and so they've got to find players in big positions. I just don't. They've got a big problem on their hands now. Uh, it's great. It's great. <laughs> It is, yeah. I mean, Lloyd, Arsenal, are they any easier to define? Are are they better than when Wenger left? Is Emery easy to define as how good a manager is? I mean, Jacques has been made permanent club captain today, which I don't think has gone down very well whatsoever. What a shambles! But what are, what are Arsenal? Just the same as they always are. Just might be good, might be bad, might be. Got some good players, got some bad ones. The defence is terrible, but not really as terrible as we probably perceive it to be. Uh, are they still as hard to define as ever? Yeah, I think, I think your question is the answer, really. What What are Arsenal? 
I think it's it's a similar a similar thing to Everton. Um, you know, they they desperately needed that change of identity after Wenger, and they hoped obviously that Emery would give that. But you know, I think Emery came in with the reputation of being an organizer, being someone. If you listen to some of the Paris players talk about what he was like, someone that was very focused in detail, did a lot of video analysis sessions and a lot on kind of uh, defensive organisation and, and, and pressing. But I, we've just not really seen that. They've been as open as they were under Wenger, which is the big problem. I think they're, they're, very, they're, they're very similar in a, in a lot of ways. They're still quite flimsy in midfield. They can be amazing in attack and they can smash some of the lesser teams. But equally, they can get rolled by some of the lesser teams. I mean, um, that game against Watford, I, I know they have a poor record against Watford generally, but you've seen that you know, almost year on year from Arsenal for the last five, six, seven years. So I think, yeah, they're in a, they're in a similar situation um, in terms of what, what they are. I think in terms of their squad, it's not, it's not as bad. It's, I wouldn't say it's as pronounced as United's issues because they do have some... They do still have some real quality in certain areas, but I think with Arsenal it's quite concentrated, um, and they've obviously their defence. They're trying to bring, I think, three of their starting back four in Bellerin, Tierney, and Holding have all been out and are just about to come back. So yeah. that should make quite a big difference for them, which I think is fair enough because Socrates and Louise have been a pair of sideshow bobs in defence, quite frankly. Um, so yeah I think that'll make a big difference but then yeah the same problems still persist in centre mid I mean the fact that they're giving Xhaka the captaincy is is crazy I mean I read an article I think it was in The Athletic about how he's a great bloke and you know the players really respect him and uh, he's really good uh, in training and you know he plays great passes in training but you know that's all just it's all just guff isn't it I mean we I'm not an Arsenal fan but I've seen Xhaka play enough times over enough years now to know that he's just a bit of a, he's a he's a liability in that midfield he gets sent off too often um, he's not good enough on the ball and the fact that they've you know they start him every week um, and they've given him the captaincy is a shambles you know in Gwendouzi it looks like they've got a proper player there but yeah that's uh, it's quite symptomatic of Arsenal that Granit Xhaka is now the captain yeah but Stefan all that said would you put them ahead of United and favourites for this match on Monday? Uh, no, not favourites. I, I think uh, the way I see Arsenal, I see United as less than the sum of the parts, and I see Arsenal as the sum of the parts. I don't think they're, I don't think they're underperforming the squad. I don't think they're overperforming the squad. I think we all know what the squad is. It's really good going forward and a bit crap at the back. And unless they buy good players, I don't, I, you know, I don't think it's a case of. Emery developing the squad. He's only got a two-year contract. He's out of contract actually at the end of the year. Yeah, so for whatever reason, they gave him a t- only a very short-term contract, which is a bit odd. Um, so I, I don't see that you know that they're on this journey with you know well thought out, well planned, well scouted. Maybe in the way that you know we all see Leicester, kind of in a more measured uh, way. Uh, you know, Arsenal still look a bit haphazard. Um, but I think they're a bit better than United. Having said that, they are away at United, and I think uh, therefore I think United are still probably slight favourites for the game. Uh, only slight, but slight favourites for me. Um, yeah. But I, you know, I don't see Arsenal doing very much this season. I think they'll beat most of the teams we expect them to beat. I mean, they're very fortunate to 
win the game against uh, Villa. I thought it was a definite handball at the end. Oh god, yeah, I forgot about that. I, I can't understand how. I know you know. I know we don't want to get onto VAR, but I mean, <laughs> on what basis is that not a penalty? Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's not go down that road. It's just. Yeah, baffling to say the least. Yeah, that would have made a big difference for them. I mean, you know, on the yeah. back of Watford, that would have been a complete disaster to to draw at home to Villa. Yeah, and they are such a home side as well, so you just don't know what's going to turn up to Old Trafford. It could be who can uh, underperform each other out, you know, more than the other uh, on Monday night. Uh, finally, Lloyd, some spurious rumours about Arsene Wenger being linked to the United job. Would that be a terrible idea for all sides, do you think? Or Probably, yeah, probably be better than Solskjaer um, for them. <laughs> um, I think weird, that, though. It would, be, it would be weird seeing Wenger. Um, my memory of Wenger at Old, of Old Trafford is when he kind of stood up with his arms outstretched. I think that was, yeah, in front of the Stratford. And, uh, no, not in front of the Stratford, in front of the brick when he got sent to the stands. Um, sent to the stands, yeah. Yeah. Um, that would be a terrible move for Wenger. Um, from all accounts, it's, I've seen an interview of him. It sounds like he's absolutely itching to get back into the game. Um, yeah. Sounds like a proper kind of obsessive. And I think he lost his wife and touch with his daughter over um, uh, kind of his, the the way that the Arsenal job continued and continued. So, yeah, I think that would he'd probably do a better job than Solskjaer, but. Um, you know, look. I mean, if United go for Wenger, then that would just be a total shambles. They need root and branch clear out at all levels, um, and yeah, employing a bloke who's probably I don't know about seventy to, to oversee that would be. I mean, it, it, it would be great, but it's not going to happen. They won't be getting Wenger. I mean, you know, the, the big problem we've got with United uh, as, as City fans is that Pochettino, I think, is almost certain to be the next manager. And that will start a journey, however long, towards a recovery and also is a manager that we would probably want as a replacement to Pep. So that's gonna be you know, that's gonna be the worst thing about about the United situation for me. Uh, I don't yeah. think he'll be Wenger. I mean I you know, I think they're more likely to stick it out with uh with Solskjaer as a stooge for a while. See, you know, yeah. let let him front some of this um, some of this underperformance because it's not going to stop on day one of a new manager. Well, uh, the the expectations so low. I do think Solskjaer would stay if he got fifth or sixth. Pochettino, I'm sure, would have taken the United job a year ago. But do you honestly think you would now? Yeah, I think so. I think I think the mood music is that he's that there's very serious issues now at Spurs, and it's then a straight choice between. A big, difficult situation at Real, uh, with no certainty of of tenure beyond a season, season and a half, or what will be sold to him as uh, a long term project at United with loads of money, difficult job but loads of money, and and a much longer horizon than than he'd have at Real. So, yeah, I do think he would take United personally. Okay. Right, well, uh, finally, just give us a score prediction then for Monday night, uh, Lloyd. Yeah, I, I think I think we'll be fine. Um, I think I think 3-1 probably would be... Oh, is this for City? Oh, for, oh sorry, are we going for Arsenal? 
Oh, you could do both if you want. Uh, yeah, I think I think three one for us. Um, if we could keep a clean sheet, that'd be great. Um, particularly for Otamendi and Fernandinho. I th- yeah. I imagine the United game because United are at home. They'll probably fluke a win. I can't see I can't see Arsenal going there and beating them. It would be great though. But yeah, I would. I'll say United by a goal probably. I think if they do against Leicester. Get a penalty, score them, play dead. That's their only chance to win. But we'll just see. Uh, Stefan, your predictions for both or just Arsenal? Uh, let's say City three uh, nil, uh, and United to win by by one. Uh, so, but I'll go for one nil. Wow. Surprise! You both come for United wins. We will see. They're at home, you know. We know. We know. Stefan, you said you were nervous about Goodson Park. Well, I'm nervous. No, no, I'm apprehensive because I, I, I think if we don't score the first, if we score the first goal, I think we'll win very comfortably uh, because I think it'll all turn for them. But if we don't, then it's a different game. But I'm going to assume that we're we're very very good uh, but I am apprehensive because I don't like going going into an Everton away game eight points behind you know that is not a good situation well thanks for getting us all confident for the match anyway <laughs> no it's true it's true uh, it's, it is September let's just remember that but uh, I think City will be on it uh, but I'm not going to give a score prediction because I never get them right so right I think we covered everything Uh Stefan, thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. Cheers. Yeah, uh, Lloyd, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Howard. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, we'll obviously have a, re- a review of the uh, the Everton game on Sunday and Monday and lots more shows coming up. So thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, if you like what you, you hear, uh, do subscribe. It's just £4 a month and there's tons more shows, including that review uh, later in the weekend. Uh, until next time, goodbye and as always, up the blues.